Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ah, if it ain't one thing, it's another around these parts. Whatever. Welcome to off-season episode number 102. Anticlimactic stretch here up to NBA opening night, which is... You know what we can actually do now? We can start the weekly countdown. It's Tuesday, August 30th, so we're wrapping up another month here, meaning that September 6th, 13, 20, 27, there's four weeks of September, and then October 4, 11, boom, 18, seven weeks out from NBA opening night. Thank the good Lord. I can't take much more offseason, people. I can't take much more. I got to get to the end of this. We're so close to the end of the NBA dog day. September 1st is sort of like the the typical start time, but then you got Labor Day. So maybe it's really like after Labor Day, NFL starts. So all the NFL fantasy stuff moves from draft season to in season, which means then everybody starts to prep for their NBA drafts, which that's what we're already. I mean, we do that year round over round these here parts. So what I'll tell you guys, as arguably the most important thing I'll say on today's podcast, the Sports Ethos NBA Fantasy Pass slash Draft Guide is coming tomorrow. Tomorrow, Wednesday, August the 31st, the Sports Ethos NBA Draft Guide drops with the first I say five articles, but that really isn't fair because uh, one of them is an entire team preview on all 30 teams, including miles, uh, miles, minutes per game, miles per gallon, minutes per game projections. This is what happens when my brain just has the letters MPG there and the mouth tries to just interpret them. If I was reading, this would be even worse, believe it or not. So you got a whole team preview section. That article is 30 teams and minute per game projections on everybody on all of them. You also have another article that's like 300 player profiles. 270-ish? I think they did I think they went 9 deep on every team to start and oftentimes they actually add more as things go along. And then the other 3 are, you know, those are actually articles, like cash counters, guys that are big into threes, steals and blocks, second half sensations from the great Eric Ong. I happen to know who wrote that one cuz he's done it before. Eric's awesome. He's been with us here at Sports Ethos a long time. You've heard it on this pod a couple of times over the years. Second half sensation, so there's the guys that you could potentially squat on. And then a kind of a cool new feature called Fact or Fiction that breaks down certain guys that either had big or, or poor last seasons and whether or not that's something that carries over, and you can use that on draft day. So uh, you got 30 teams, you got 300 players, you got cash counters, you got squatter guys, you got all sorts of good stuff. And this is just the first iteration of the NBA draft guide because between tomorrow and... The Brewski 150 dropping, there's like another 25 or something crazy articles that go into this bad boy. It is so unbelievably, absurdly, hilariously in-depth that I feel very confident in calling it my favorite draft guide on planet Earth. So please do check that out. Uh, We'll be tweeting about it all day and all night. Today, tomorrow, and uh, basically in perpetuity or pretty much until the season starts. But it's time, ladies and gentlemen. Sports Ethos Draft Guide comes out tomorrow 
And with that in mind, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. Welcome to those of you that have popped in here over the last day or two. This is like, I think yesterday was the first day I've seen just like generic podcast growth during the offseason, which I know is sort of like a strange metric, but I've been watching the offseason like a hawk, and there were a couple days in there where it came back up a little bit. That was like near free agency, the NBA draft. We had those like little pockets, but nothing happened in the NBA this week so far. Nothing happened other than like this is when people start to pay attention to basketball. And next week, it'll be another big jump. And then that's the way it is every week until, oh, like the day before the season starts, and then it levels off. So this is that moment. So it's pretty cool. Welcome to those of you that are tuning in for the first time. You guys got a big, fat promo as the first thing you got to listen to. It's not always like that, folks. You happen to tune in the day before we dropped our draft guide. It's not always like that. I've worked really, really hard to eliminate a lot of the early show fluff. Those of you that been listening for five years, you guys know, there used to be a lot of early show fluff, and it's been pretty damn good until today. So, apologies, but also, like, this is when Sports Ethos has to make a little bit of money, or the website would cease to exist the other 11 months of the year. So, you know, reality check on all of us. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. I hope you'll follow me over there. We do a lot of our in-season work on social media. And with that, we'll dive back into what we've been working on so far this week, which was yesterday we did a bunch of time, spent a bunch of time on news, and then ended the show by digging into this idea of, okay, we've broken down picks 2 through 10, effectively. What does that mean for the next group of players? Because I've been so laser-focused. By the way, Yahoo is updating their ADPs every single day right now. Giannis has now moved in front of Joel Embiid, interestingly enough. Um, No other changes at the top of the draft board for the moment. Kyrie Irving just keeps falling little by little. I bet he ends up behind. He's going to be behind Dame before we get to our special draft season. But anyway, point of all this is, you know, I'm opening up the Yahoo ADP pages every day, and it's slightly different every day, but the point that the overarching deal is that earlier this month, or was it late last month? Or does it even matter? We talked about effectively 12 guys that could go number two in nine-category fantasy drafts and kind of settled on Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid as the most reasonable plays at that spot. Yes, they do have their injury risks, undoubtedly so. But there's just no one really outside of Anthony Davis and maybe Steph on the board that have a shot to be in front of those guys on a per-game basis. LeBron got really close last year, but you have to assume that's about as high as his free-throw number is going to go. AD's free-throw number basically couldn't go any lower. So then at least you have this expectation of, all right, per-game, this is a guy that could inch up the board. Steph... You know, I don't expect him to have a great season because you got finals hangover stuff going on, but he should shoot the ball better, one would assume. Maybe not, don't know, but we certainly have seen him shoot the ball better in the past. And then you got all these other guys that just have, like, no claim at all to being a number two or number three per game player, and their only chance of getting up into that echelon 
is to play 76 games or more. Make it 75. A nice, cool 75 games or more. Those guys are less fun, but I guess suppose it depends on your definition of fun. So we finished up that discussion earlier this month or late last month. Again, my brain could not possibly tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday, so I don't know how I'm going to remember what month we did our who should go number two breakdown. But then we sort of just stopped and never moved on to who goes after that batch of players, which is a focal point in fantasy every single season. Who goes in the second round? We're like year over year over year at this point. Where all, I mean, every season I feel like we look back and try to figure out what, what did people do in the second round, what was right and what was wrong. And it's almost never really close. The second round seems to be this excruciating confusion spot every single year. And I don't know that we have any reason to believe that it'll be any different this season. Because as we were talking about briefly on yesterday's show, with LeBron uh, moving into the edge, he's number 12... The second round is Ja Morant, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard. This is by ADP right now. Ja, Kyrie, Dame, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler. That's the front end of the second round. Back end of the second round, Devin Booker, Paul George, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, Tyrese Halliburton. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Honorable mention goes to Demonis Sabonis. who's right behind it, and then Bradley Beal behind him. You could make a reasonable argument for almost any of those guys in almost any order in the second round. With the possible exception of John Morant in 9-cat. Because, look, like as great as this dude is, and finally the real-life stats got a little bit closer to the fantasy stats, he was still number 49 last year because his free throw is a drag his turnovers are drag he doesn't shoot the three-pointer um so you're talking basically points assists and field goal percent it's a weird combination his rebounds are pretty good for a guard also but you know not like a earth-shatteringly high and then the steals are are fine they're slightly above average while he's also played fairly dinged up and it felt like john moran had the season from the heavens and Damian Litter had the worst possible two months in recorded basketball history, and those two guys were actually right next to each other. So this is, I think, maybe as great example as you can find of two guys that finished at 49 and 50 per game last year are pre-ranked right next to each other, two slots apart in the second round, but one of them had the worst two months of his career, basically, and the other had the best four months of his career. Sure, one's on the way up and one is possibly on the way down or at least leveled off, but, you know, it takes a lot to get to the front end of the second round. So if we take John Morant out of the equation in our 9-cat discussion, you could make a pretty reasonable argument for almost any of those names that I mentioned, up to and including Bradley Beal. And yeah, there are some other names that are sort of pockmarked beyond that. Like Shea could have second round per game value, Freddie Van Fleet. Chris Paul, these guys, we've seen them do it before. Time Lord, Nikola Vucevic, 
These are all possibilities for second-round value, and that's fine. If you want to lump those guys in, be my guest. But if you have the 13th pick, you're probably not going to draft Vooch because his ADP is 38. You could get him at the end of the third round. You don't have to take him at the beginning of the second. Chris Paul, same general story. You got a decent shot for him to fall to you towards the end of the third round. Remember, we've talked about this a lot. Your goal in a fantasy draft is not to just get the players you like, but to get the greatest quantity of players you like. If you want Chris Paul and you also want Tyrese Halliburton, who's very much on the move up the board, it's pretty obvious which one you have to take first. Even if you think they finish at the exact same rank, let's say that that's, that's what you have. I'm not going to, you know, we're just attaching an arbitrary number here. Let's say you think Halliburton finishes like 12 and Chris Paul finishes, nah, you know what, screw it, flip it. Let's say you think Chris Paul finishes like 14 and Halliburton 15. So Tyrese one slot behind. But you know, if, the, if, if you're sitting in the middle of the second round, you're going to take Halliburton, even though he's ranked slightly lower on your own personal board there. I don't think that's the actual case, but that's the game theory element. And that's why you don't really have to consider Chris Paul as a second-round grab, unless you're at the very end of it, where now you're debating between... I know right now Halliburton is towards the end of the second round, but he's moving up the board. You're debating basically between, like, Bam Adebayo, Donovan Mitchell, Demonis Sabonis, Bradley Beal, and then you could lump in Chris Paul, Freddie Van Fleet, guys like that, that are a little bit farther down the board. If you're worried they're not going to make it back to you. But, you know, first seven, eight, nine picks in that second round, you don't have to consider those guys. Kyrie Irving, you know, this is a guy who has mid-first round per game potential. Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, all those guys. Those four dudes, AD's been the number one player before. Kawhi has been a top three per game guy. Lillard has been top six. Kyrie's been top five. Jimmy Butler's gotten up there in that 5-6 range before, although I don't know that we can expect it anymore as he ages and Tyler Hero gets better and Kyle Lowry's around and et cetera, et cetera. Victor Oladipo, I guess, is supposed to do more this year. Maybe we ace Jimmy Butler off that list and stick him more in this sort of next group down. But look, front end of the second round, I think is probably those guys we mentioned and then perhaps... Tyrese Halliburton. But how do you decide between them? That's kind of what we're going to seek to answer here. Which I realize is a weird thing to say 14 minutes into a show when you're actually now saying like what you're going to do on that show. But I thought, I mean, the last, we did like four minutes of promo today. And, and I again apologize for that. But like the last 10 minutes is really kind of setting up the scheme here. Why is this even important? Well, it's important because... The second round can go sideways really fast. If you look at this last year, Bradley Beal, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler were the guys that were all going in that range. And they all spent the year hurt. Butler, the least of them, I suppose. Uh, Beal was done partway through. AD missed like half of the season. Paul George missed almost the entire season. An argument could be made, but here's the difference, though. Here's the difference between that and this. Those guys, with perhaps the exception of Paul George, who, with Kawhi out, there was a hope, 
that he might be able to push himself back up in the middle of the first round. And then it looked like that was going to happen. Uh, and then the arm started flaring up and his field goal percent tanked. And it never really quite worked out. But he had at least an outside shot at it. The other names there, Jimmy Butler, you were hoping for something in that like 9 to 10 per game range. Beal, you were kind of hoping for 9 to 10, 11, 12, something like that per game. These guys, Kyrie, Dame, Kawhi, even Anthony Davis, who was in that group last year, you're actually aiming higher. AD, you've got this yips thing to figure out. So maybe if you want to take him out of that list, that's fine. Do that. But with Kawhi, Dame, and Kyrie in particular, you're hunting like top seven or eight per game or better. That's on the table for those guys. So to me, you can break up the second round into smaller chunks. Picks 13, 14, and 15 are probably, I would argue, relatively coveted, depending on what you think of John Morant. I'm assuming in your competitive nine-category league, he's not going to go at pick 13. He'll probably go maybe at the end of the second round. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see. People might just be going a little bit buck wild for him. And if that's the case, great. Then 14, 15, and 16 become good spots to have picks, which means that this year now, it looks on paper like you might actually be okay getting a pick relatively late in the draft. Sure, if you have pick number two, you can go out there and take a swing with KD or Joel Embiid and really try to get that giant impact dude, but you're going to have a little decision on your hand towards the end of the second round. And it's looking more and more like perhaps the middle of the first round might be the scariest spot of all. You'll probably still get someone fine in the first round. Middle of the first round, Jokic will be off the board. KD will probably be off the board. Embiid will probably be off the board. I would imagine Luka is probably gone. We don't know about Giannis. You're probably going to be picking between like Steph Curry, Cat, Jason Tatum, James Harden, that type of group. And that's fine. I'd feel... I think I'd be pretty happy to start my team with Steph or Harden even. Even though I don't expect them to blow the roof off the building, I think that's a relatively safe play. Tatum would be a relatively safe play. Wings are somewhat hard to come by, although, you know, some folks like to go big early or go small early, grab your assists, whatever it is that you're hunting for. Harden would get you those and free throws and blah, blah, blah. The thing that I don't like now, because... All right, let, let's go back and do this in order again. As you look at that second round, what do we think Kyrie Irving is going to do this year? I don't think we can assume he replicates last season. Because last year he played in 29 games, and for the most part he had like a week off between basketball games, so he just had all this energy, and he wanted to get out there and just go nuts immediately. But if you look back at the previous year where he had all sorts of weird stuff going on. That was the first COVID season, the, this, the shortened one, the one we did it on purpose. He played 54 out of those 72 games, and he was actually number three per game that year. He was, dare I say, better. He was number five this last season, took an extra shot, but shot only 47%. The year before, he actually shot 50% from the field, 50 and a half. Year before that, that was the bubble year. Kyrie was number six. 
there's every reason to believe that Kyrie Irving will be a top six fantasy player this year with Kevin Durant by his side. He can do it as a one and one B on that team. He's going to get a lot of shots. I don't care who else they bring in. Ben Simmons is not a guy who needs to take shots if he actually does play basketball that year. We'll see. The, the beauty is it doesn't matter. And then, like, Joe Harris, he's not taking shots away from Kyrie Irving. He's going to take what's left over. Seth Curry, same story. Whoever they bring in, Markeith Morris, Utah Watanabe, none of these guys are taking shots away from Kyrie Irving. So you can pretty well assume he's going to be getting up around 20, maybe even ever slow, slightly over 20 shots per game. Now, remember, Kyrie didn't play many games in that uh, bubble season. That was when he played in 20 that year. So, you know little screwy but like we've seen enough now from him to know that he's a high 40s field goal percent guy and even in Boston where they had all sorts of guys around him that he was fighting for shots with he took 18 and a half per game and he was still number nine per game that year just comes down to how much issue you think he has I think the battle between Kyrie and Dame is most people are probably going to go Dame there. I don't know if it's as cut and dry as you might you might believe. Now, where Dame has the huge edge is that you figure he goes into this season with the intention of playing as many games as humanly possible. I don't think that Kyrie comes into any season with the intention of playing as many games as possible. He goes into the season intending to just be this sort of, like, ephemeral being. <laughs> I, I really, truly, I have no idea what, what's going on in Kyrie Irving's brain. He exists. He doesn't exist. He exists again. Fleeting. He's a fleeting... Something. Uh, so let's say Kyrie misses 15 to 20 games this year. That's probably more. Probably. We can't know this for sure than how many Dame misses, who you assume will be shooting to play in some, you know, 85% of his games or more. I think there's a very real chance that Kyrie has a better per-game fantasy season than Damian Lillard. These two guys going back-to-back, and I bet 9 out of 10 analysts would say it's Dame hands down. But there is, Kyrie is the upside play there. Because if they get even close to the same number of games under their belt, Kyrie probably wins that battle. Yes, Dame is much safer. I tend to preach safety. And if he's on the board at pick 13 or 14 or wherever you're going here at the beginning of the second round, I would not stop you, nor would I stop myself from going Lillard. Although it seems more and more like he's going to go towards the end of the first round. We shall see. Then you get into the Anthony Davis-Kawhi Leonard duo, who I think for most people probably sits behind... The Kyrie-Dame duo. Like, if you look at AD this last year, he was number nine on a per-game basis on the year, which would put him probably about neck-and-neck with Damian Lillard and probably behind Kyrie Irving. Unless, of course, AD fixes his free-throw stroke and de-yips himself and also manages to be just healthier than he has been. He was pretty healthy the, the year the Lakers won the title, but that's now a couple seasons back. That was 1920. 
Anthony Davis was the number two player in fantasy that year. He shot 85% at the free throw line. And he played in 62 out of the 72 regular season games. And that's as good as it's going to get. Following year, in the 72-game season, Anthony Davis couldn't throw a free throw off the side of a building. He shot 74% at the line, drop off of 11%. His heart wasn't in it. That was the title, and then they had like a month and a half off before the season started. He played 36, exactly half of 72 ball games, and only grabbed eight rebounds a night. He looked at least a little bit more like himself this season. Shot 53% from the field. His free throw stroke actually got worse, but the rebounds were back up to 10. The defensive stats were back up to 3.6. He looked like Anthony Davis, and then again, he only played in half his team's games. That's a very, that's a terrifying proposition when you've got guys on the board around him here that are less so. Even Jimmy Butler is less horrifying than that, and he missed freaking 25 games this year, but played 17 more than Anthony Davis. That, to me, is a really hard decision, though. Do you go AD or do you go Jimmy Butler? I probably go Anthony Davis and just pray the free throw thing comes back, and plus you get, I would argue, maybe slightly more difficult stats out of AD. Big-time rebounds and blocks. Although, you know me, I can, I'll can i pull blocks out of my you-know-what late in a draft or even halfway through the season. So I, I don't know that you need to rack those up early. Butler is... He's an across-the-board type of dude, and that's cool. But then one other name creeps into the mix there that I put in with AD and Butler, and it's Kawhi Leonard. And to me, the choice between those three guys is weirdly clear, and it's Kawhi. Because Kawhi doesn't need any part of his actual fantasy game to change to be a top-six-per-game guy. That's what I like. Kawhi was number four two years back. Kawhi was number six per game. Not this most recent season, but one year back. He didn't play this year, obviously. He's going to miss time, but so is AD. AD needs to fix his free throw stroke to get back where he was. Jimmy Butler just needs to sort of do more to get back where he was. And even for Butler, like, the concept of where he was, the best season he's going to put together is going to be number eight. For Kawhi, that's pretty average. For Anthony Davis, that would be a slight uptick in free throw percent. So in that second group of guys, and we'll pause this until tomorrow's show because I think we move into a different clump after Jimmy Butler. Although, you know, you could make some cases here because this last year, Devin Booker did get a lot better. Booker was number 20. It's only five behind Butler. Paul George is number 16. He was right behind Jimmy, but you know which Paul are you going to get this coming season, the one that shoots 42% on 21 shots a game, or is there any measure of efficiency left in that tank? Do the four turnovers improve for Paul George? Because that actually was a pretty big downer this last year. He turned it over like crazy. PG has at times looked better with Kawhi Leonard around. Just to take a little bit of the burden off. I know usage is generally value, and for PG, it probably sticks that way, but like the 2021 season for Paul George, he was number 24 per game, but that was mostly because his steals went away. Field goal percent was up near 47. You take that in a heartbeat this year. If you put his steals back up near 1.6 to 2, 
Then he rockets up into the middle of the front end of the second round. Paul George is number 20 the year before that. That was also with Kawhi. He was 20 this last season also. The Oklahoma City Paul George is probably not happening again. 2.2 steals per game. Almost four three-pointers a night. Bah. So yeah, to me, he's in the next clump. Devin Booker's in the next clump. Halliburton maybe doesn't belong in the next clump, but that's where he's getting drafted right now. That's a discussion for another day. But I think what we can, I don't want to say safely say, but at least with some small measure of confidence, what we can say right now is that the second round should not feature John Morant at the front end of it. But you should have a Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard decision on your hands. And either one of those two guys I'm totally fine with. Probably go Dame, play it safe, but, you know, either way. And then you've got an Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard decision on your hands that currently I would lean Kawhi, and then AD, and then Butler. I know. Danger zone. And that puts you at the halfway point of the second round. And tomorrow... We will explore what may end up being even more difficult decisions because now you're at pick, because we're assuming Ja is still going somewhere in there. Now you're at pick 19, meaning you had a pick in the front six of the first round, and this spot might be the worst because you got sort of the dregs of the top six in the first round, and now all those guys in the second round that might actually be first game per game players are pretty much off the board, with perhaps the exception of Halliburton, depending on how high you think he goes. But almost none of these other guys profile as first-round per-game guys. And if you think I'm crazy, look back at this last year, where everybody was like, oh, look at the crazy upsets at the top. There was only one guy in the first round per game not totals, per game this last year, inside the top 12, that wasn't generally drafted inside the top 15. One, it was DeJounte Murray. He was number seven. Everybody else in the first round per game was generally drafted inside the top 15. Jokic, KD, Embiid, LeBron. Well, not Kyrie, but that's a weird case study. Steph, DeJounte, Cat. AD, Giannis, Trey Young, James Harden. Those guys all went inside the top 15 this last year. Number 13 actually was the Time Lord, Robert Williams. If you want if you pull him into this mix, then things change a little bit. But then you get back to Tatum, Butler, George, Van Fleet per game. You're well outside of the first round now. So these names don't even matter. Sorry, Freddie Van Fleet. I like you a lot, but you're not a first rounder. PG, Butler, you're probably not there either. Tatum, you got a shot. You do. I bring that up because, you know, once you get to, like, pick 18 or 19, there just aren't guys left on the board, typically, that have per-game first-round potential in their shoes. Those guys get drafted in the first 15. They get drafted in the first round, and then a couple guys outside of the first round where you're like, maybe if things break right. And usually one or two of those dudes does slip in there. And then, like... Maybe there's one other guy on the board. DeJounte Murray was the name this last year. There wasn't one. 
The year before that, maybe Vooch? He was going like, where was Vooch going in 2020, 2021? Wasn't he going at like 14 or 15 anyway? I forget. I mean, that's the big surprise there. Vooch? 2019, 2020, any surprises? John Collins was a first-rounder, but he got hurt after half the season and disappeared. Hassan Whiteside, that was your surprise first-rounder in the Rudy Gobert COVID year. There's always one. There's always one or zero. 2018, 2019, there was not a single surprise in the first round. Not one. So now we're like, I mean, we're five years back now. Victor Oladipo was the surprise if you go all the way back to 2017, 2018. It just doesn't happen. Which is why these second-round picks, people get inside their own heads. Pick 18, you're not looking for a first-rounder anymore. You're looking for a second-rounder at that point. And tomorrow we'll figure out how you get one. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. I am Dan Vespers. Thanks for listening, everybody, on this delightful Tuesday morning. Again, Sports Ethos Draft Guide drops tomorrow, and I expect you will all be there to collect yours with this incredible, awesome first chunk of NBA Draft goodies. Have a great day.